comes ahead on goal, and Jordan Morris has done it. Appealing in vain for offside, the Chicago Fire defenders. Jordan Morris from the doorstep saves the day for the Sounders. the other way. Look who's running hard after defensively. Wayne Rooney, the net is empty. Big collision by the captain. That is unbelievable effort. Rooney putting one up. Bacosta. The Stateside Soccer Show with Logan and Jordan. Hello and welcome to the Stateside Soccer Show. My name is Jordan Wiegand and you are listening to our Minnesota United preview. Uh, with me today is a man who has spilled... Let me stop the background music. <laughs> this is a new feature. We just wanted to really uh, try that out and throw everybody off. Uh, there, but uh, I am Jordan Wiegand. With me today is Logan Stump. He is back from spilling all of his water all over his laptop yeah. after our what team was it? Uh, Houston preview? No, it was our Boba Fett. Um, oh, our book of Boba Friday. Fett. Yeah, that's yeah. right. Yeah, not even that's a soccer thing. I was actually listening to the guests that we're going to have on today, so I'm going to give them a hard time about ruining my school laptop um, because I was trying to listen to their Twitter space because uh, that they were doing with the. Oh, yeah, of- that was right as soon as we hung up. <laughs> yeah, so I was like, you know, uh, listening to Jack and AJ getting my Jack and AJ fix, and wanted to kind of see what they were discussing over there on Twitter Spaces. And Jack had just gotten back from Disney. AJ just started a new job, and I was getting really pumped getting into. They were getting into some conversation about NWSL, and then all of a sudden, bam, spilled some water on my laptop. Recording studio disaster. Um, it seems to be pretty um, frequent with me on this uh, this channel or these podcasts. But how are you doing, Zen Master? You doing all right? What am I called? The Zen Master. I feel oh, like, I feel like the, I was very Zen. Yeah. I was like, I don't know where you would get that from. Um, yeah, I'm doing all right. I guess uh, if people want the full story of what happened earlier today, they can listen to stoppage time soccer show and they can uh, hear all about the spillage that happened on our end here. Um, but yeah, so we are going to be having uh, Jack and AJ on from the final third podcast. Um, they are Minnesota United fans, even though they cover the league, they cover everything really when it mm-hmm. comes to soccer so uh that's exciting uh we're gonna have them on jack's been on a few of my other shows he's been on the the pot awakens he's been on to the infinity saga and beyond a lot actually um and yeah we've been uh, we've been talking a lot we were just talking about disney stuff yesterday reservations and all that kind of stuff and we are back from our break and we have jack and aj from the final third They've been on before, but their first time doing a preview. So how are you? Uh, well, let me take it one at a time, I guess. How are you, AJ? I am doing good here in Minnesota. It is exceptionally cold, but 
you know, it, it's a pretty warm time to be in the presence of you guys. So I'm really glad oh, to be on the show. Oh, that's very nice. Yeah. What a guy. <laughs> I, we should have him on more often, Jordan. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Jack, you ready? Let's yeah, Jack, you Jack now you say so. You never say anything that nice when we <laughs> podcast. Uh, Jack, uh, how are you today? <laughs> Uh, I'm, I'm doing great and, uh, I'm trying to think of, of how, how to work in a compliment with it. I'm, I'm, I'm glad to, <laughs> I'm glad to be here in, I can't use the same one, but I'm going to use it anyway. The warmth of your company as well. There we oh, go. Man, boo. Oh man. Yeah. <laughs> I know. It, the AJ has, are, the, has a speech background, down you know, right now. he's got it. <laughs> Yeah, but you you know you're you're political science, right? Shouldn't you have some sort of stock political answer? <laughs> I should, yeah, I know. I, I should be better at that at swiveling on, on a point, but not yet. <laughs> yeah, that's why, still, that, that's why you're still in school. <laughs> yeah, as someone who's graduated with a political science degree, I got it for him. I, I think you know it's always nice to be welcome on a show, um, just because it's so much fun to talk to other people and get to know each other in the in the soccer community. I think that's the more political answer if you really want one, Jordan. There you go. That that's nice. that's the one. That that is it right there. Well, I am glad to have both of you on. I've been on your show before. Uh, Same. Uh, yeah. So is Logan. Yeah, that's right. I beat you. Remember, this is this is. Yeah, you sure? I thought uh, I was first. Not, no, it's not going well for you, Jordan. I, you got absolutely obliterated from what I can remember. Yeah. Oh, no. I, I, you mean about like the, the prediction shows? Yeah. Yeah. Well, hold on. What were your predictions last year? LAFC uh, and Wooden Spoon Montreal. So you're not doing so hot either, Logan. <laughs> I, I mean, I didn't do well on their show, but you, you haven't done well on ours. So. Uh, <laughs> But uh, you, you guys do the Final Third podcast, which is not limited to MLS or Minnesota, uh, which is different from what we usually have. You know, we usually have people on that are, you know, um, specify or no, not specify, um, are specifically the team that uh, that we're talking about. But you guys cover MLS, uh, U.S. soccer, uh, everything, right? You guys have even talked yeah. to AFCON this week. So how did that... Um, like get started uh, between the two of you and what made you choose to launch the podcast? Yeah, well, I think Jack and I have known each other since high school. So we've always, you know, talked to each other about a myriad of different things. But especially through the pandemic, we would text each other pretty much every day about our thoughts on all the soccer games going on. And it kind of led to us just wanting to start a podcast. And it was kind of the natural progression of things to talk about all the leagues that we were interested in, which happened to be the Champions League, MLS, Premier League, Serie A, and even AFCON, which is also something that we are very much interested in. So we like to, you know, kind of market the podcast as a podcast that is for the very hardcore soccer fan, the average soccer fan who, you know, most soccer fans watch all kinds of different leagues. So we don't like to limit ourselves to just one. We like to be a little bit more worldly, so to speak. Jack, do you have anything else that uh, I probably missed? Uh, I will. I will say the actual idea for us starting the podcast, I think, came uh, at a Minnesota United watch party uh, with a few of our mutual friends as well. So we we were. Uh, it was the like three two three one loss against FC Dallas or something like that. Oh yeah, uh, and so it ties back yeah, into we, Minnesota. <laughs> yeah exactly Absolutely. it all it all started from a minnesota united game where we were like you know we should we should start a podcast and 
then it took about three months. We got there eventually. Yeah, yeah. Kind of the same with us, though. Just like, uh, you know, we would always text each other about, like, the Premier League, and that's when we started stoppage time during the, you know, COVID lockdown. But we were always trying to find something to do together. Like, we even did uh, – we did one that lasted, what, 10 episodes? It was just, like, supposed to be during lockdown, which then, you know, continued for a lot longer. But it was called Quarantine and Chill, which we just kind of picked a different topic every week, like top 10 TV shows or – do you believe like we did a supernatural one? Like, do you believe in ghosts, aliens, and stuff like that? Just kind of like things like that. But we never really landed on one until this. And then, you know, I spun this one off as a <clears throat> different thing that I was doing solo until Logan asked to step in. So that was nice. But uh, yeah, so let's kind of get into it. We we alluded to it last uh, earlier when I introduced you all. Uh, the last time you were on this show, you guys were on the stoppage time draft for our uh, Premier League, uh, which I, I, haven't, I don't even remember how that's going right now, honestly. I haven't checked because it's just been <laughs> brutal. I, I, I think I'm still in first place. It's been a bad couple of weeks without uh, Mo Salah on my team, but uh, from oh, what yeah. I remember, I, I was in first place. Yeah, and I am near the, the bottom rankings. of the table. So the, the spreadsheet, the not working. <laughs> No, the spreadsheet did not work out because John Stones ruined everything. Basically, is I, I I blame John Stones for everything, personally. There you go, Logan. He blames he blames John Stones. Um, but the last time you we were on this show, you know, Minnesota was zero and four. I was looking pretty foolish with uh, my prediction here of Minnesota winning the cup. I still do, I guess. But you know. They somehow did turn it around and and got into the playoffs. So I feel like it's maybe like how how do Minnesota fans see that? Is it a success because uh, they turned it around, or was it still ultimately a disappointing season because um, of unfulfilled promise? I, I I'd say definitely still seen as a disappointing season because you know after you make the Western Conference final. You know, after all this talk of a project taking a few years to to get off the ground, a three-year project, and then in the fourth year, things start to click. You're you're finally thinking, all right, our team is going to be up near the top of things. And then everything just kind of falls apart right at the beginning. And, you know, it's it's impressive, and I think most Minnesota United fans will agree that we were able to make it into the playoffs. But I, I know a lot of fans are also thinking there's we could have done so much better given everything we did, you know, uh, given the players that we have on our roster, uh, we should have done a lot better. So there is that air of disappointment around things. But, uh, you know, I, I, I would say that overall, while there are some positives, most, of, most fans are probably going to look at last season as more negative than positive. Yeah, I, I agree. Like, if you asked, I think most Minnesota fans in may or june would you rather you know stay on this trajectory or make the playoffs they'd obviously take the playoffs they'd be happy that we eventually made the playoffs but if you would ask you know the the, the fans that lived back in march 2021 when there was a lot of hope and excitement for this team and for this season whether or not they'd see a first round exit not even a home playoff game 
uh, in the MLS Cup playoffs as a success? I think most would probably say no. And our expectations probably were lowered a little bit going throughout the season and to just make the playoffs would be seen as a success. But yeah, like Jack said, after last season, the, the positives might not actually outweigh the negatives of the season from a very neutral standpoint. I was going to say in a crowded West, it, it felt like if Minnesota United, just like anybody else um, that we talked to last year, and if you go back to all of our season previews, if you continue the trend and listen to the previews this uh, year, we haven't quite gotten to playoff teams that are playoff worthy, I don't think, or at least they're cusp teams that we've really covered so far. This being the first team that really, I think, many see as a playoff team. I think a lot of success is determined based on the seating in which you fall in the playoffs. And in a very crowded West, a Minnesota United falling fifth, I, I'm, you know, even still looking at it from the outside perspective, you want home field advantage. You want to make it difficult on your opponent to come into your place to try to beat you in your place, um, and and to not to not get up there and, and contend with some of the some of the teams that we thought Jordan and I definitely thought they were going to contend with. It was kind of disappointing. Um, and I, again, I I'll ask you this in the next question. This kind of leads into my next question because it is about Adrian Heath. Um, being an Orlando City fan. Uh, I know uh, the the styles uh, and the um, I guess the failures of Adrian Heath as far as Orlando. He, while he did do well with them um, before they joined MLS, when he gets to MLS, it, it was just not a, a successful run. Fans were calling for his head pretty often, um, and then he heads to Minnesota United in 2016. Um, coached there or has been coaching there since 2016, so that's been about five years now. 86 wins, 50 draws, 92 losses. Um, averaging 1.36 as a manager uh, in his time with Minnesota. And just as comparison in Orlando, he had a 1.33 uh, points per match. Um, so just underneath where he performed in Orlando. And uh, I'm surprised, I'm honestly like looking at those numbers, I, I am surprised. And I think especially after last year that he has lasted this long. So I was going to put this question to you guys next. Um, being this last year in the contract, is this the last year that Adrian Heath gets with Minnesota United and looking forward? I know we'll get into some predictions later, but do you kind of see the writing on the wall that, that this could very well be the end of Adrian Heath's time with uh, the team? I, I think when you look at this team, if you're a neutral fan looking in, the one thing you need to know about the front office is that they've always shown patience with Adrian Heath which you know, worked out pretty well when we moved to Allianz Field and started building a more competent mm -hmm. roster under his leadership. Uh, but as you mentioned, like his time with Minnesota has had a lot of question marks and disappointments uh, kind of on track with how he did with Orlando. Uh, but to give him credit, he made the Open Cup final back in 2019, the conference final in 2020, and even you know made it to the you know, playoffs after an 0-4 start. But, you know, to answer your question, whether or not this could be his last year, I think the writing might be on the wall that he could be on his way out. Because when you look at the last five years and you ask yourself, could another manager replicate that or even do better? I think the answer is probably yes. He has good results, but the ways that he gets those results sometimes are unsustainable. When you look at the details, he kind of gets exposed, whether it's, not playing enough subs and kind of running his players down to the ground, not letting his young players get a lot of minutes, like just this past season, Justin McMaster or Patrick Weah, two players that have 
gotten a lot of attention from fans that never really saw any game time uh, to continuously backing a, an aging squad and not getting any younger or more talented players to uh, replenish that. And to even just his on-the-field management, we dropped seven points while being a man up this season. And that is pretty squarely on Adrian Heath. The fact that we were third worst in the West in terms of goals scored, despite Adrian Heath being the so-called uh, striker whisperer or whatever uh, fans like to call him. Like a lot of this, you know, it's not all on him, but a lot of this can be remedied by potentially another person in charge. And so at the end of this season, to give kind of a, a short preview, I, I think it would take him really stepping it up with this team and bring us even further than we have been before in order for him to be safely uh, securing in his job towards seasons in the future. Yeah, I, I'd have to agree. You know, most Minnesota United fans after this past season, it, it or at least it felt like to me, were pretty much on the Heath out train. Like pe people were not happy with how the season went. And I, I can see why. I'll, I'll mention one other thing that AJ, AJ didn't touch on, which is uh, how we set up for away games. We almost always set up for draws in those away games, even against teams that we should be like beating. It's almost as if Heath just didn't back us to ever try and take more than one point away from home. And that really cost us. Like if you look at the difference in our home and away record last season, it's it's pretty striking. You know, uh, we had a positive 10 goal differential at home, negative 12 away from home. Uh, we just simply were not good enough away from home. And a lot of that goes down to Heath's tactics. Uh, so I, I think that's a big indictment of it. I was, I was very shocked when he got a contract extension at the end of this year. He got a one-year contract extension. I wasn't really expecting that. But clearly, the front office does back him, which is kind of nice to some extent that they're willing to back a manager. But given that it's been five years and we kind of progressed backwards after you know the highs of the 2020 season I, I i can't help but feel like it could be better with another manager there i know heath has been in like the u.s system for so long do you think him setting up for draws is like some sort of thing from when he's still like an england leftover thing like i feel like you know that's something that they would do over there like okay we we win at home draw on the road and we stay up you know, but like not really being like, you know, going for the jugular. Honestly, could could be because uh, if you, if you look at his playing record, you know, he he played a lot for Burnley. So you know what, <laughs> May, maybe that has something to do with it. Uh, he played a lot for Everton, but it, it it could be that that kind of that kind of mentality still left over. You know that, but it obviously doesn't really work here because there's no fear of relegation you, you've kind of got to go for all three points in some of these games and sometimes it's understandable when you don't go for all three if you have a depleted squad or something but when we're starting our strongest 11 and he's like all right draw time then yeah. it gets a little disappointing uh well aj brought it up the the striker whisperer 
aspect. Minnesota just had 41 goals last year, but they had expected goals of 51.2. What specifically do you think went wrong with the attack, and how do you think or what should they do to improve it this year? Like, Do they have the personnel to score, or do they have to go bring somebody in for this? Jack, remind me, are, are you still on Team Unu, or, or, or do you not believe him in, in him anymore? No, I, I believe I believe in Adrian okay. Unu. Good. All right, good. Me, me too. And, and th- I think I think that's uh, kind of the answer to your question in terms of how how do we get that striker force up? How do we get those goals up? I, I think a lot of that is Adrian Unu, who uh, you know only scored seven goals in his time in Minnesota last season. I think a lot of that is getting him settled. We've seen with Robin Ludd, Back in the 2020-2019 season, didn't really settle well. A lot of fans were calling for his head to get him out of here because he wasn't, didn't have the the good goal output that we wanted, and he eventually settled. Unu, I think, is going to be potentially the same way if he settles. I think after a bad freshman season, his sophomore season, he can get back on his feet. But in terms of making sure that we get goals scored on a structural level... There's got to be competent backups. There's got to be other answers in case Unu falls off. And our answer last year were old, old strikers, where whether it be a 32-year-old uh, Rabon Abia from Boca Juniors who played... Hey, I'm, I'm approaching 31. Let's cut it on the right. old for 32. <laughs> in, in the scale of soccer, how about that? You know, In life, you got plenty of right, more years. Right, right. Uh, I, I, no offense, I don't, I don't think... Well, any of us can really play professional soccer, uh, but especially, uh, you know, once you get to 32, 33. Uh, but the other striker that we signed halfway through the season was Fernando Adi, 31-year-old, who was bad on an even worse FC Cincinnati team. And we're getting a couple answers with some new strikers, uh, Abu Dunladi. Maybe we get Luis Amaria back, but, you know, if, if we don't have... A second number nine the second that unu drops off form it's been shown that we're kind of screwed and i'm sure jack has more to say about you know our number nine situation yeah um i mean i i I really do believe in adrian unu i i remember texting one of my friends when he signed saying you know once he settles he is going to be one of the most dangerous strikers in the league I, I, I still kind of stand by that because we saw a lot of promise from him last season. He was willing to get into dangerous positions. He had decent scoring opportunities. It's just that he, he hadn't quite settled yet. And, you know, he played really well for Ren. And if you're able to play at that level, then you're going to be able to play well in MLS. So it's, it, it's all about making sure you're in the right mindset for it. And what, I, I don't think we've really had many signings who have settled immediately. Reynoso is like the one I can think of where it was almost an immediate impact he had. Uh, Fragapane still took like a month or two to really get up to speed on everything. But, you know, like AJ was saying, Robin Ludd took quite a bit of time to settle, but once he did, was really great. So what what we need is to give him time uh, allow him to settle. I'm pretty sure he's going to do great this season. And, uh, you know, we do have some exciting attacking options that we can get uh, off the bench. And I am looking forward to seeing how they do. 
I, I'm, I am a little concerned because almost all of the forwards we drafted have a little bit of injury history or forwards we signed, I should say. Uh, so that, that is a little bit of a concern, but I still think uh, it should be pretty good in the, in the long term. Yeah, so you hit on a, a couple of names there when you were talking about the attack and, and generally what's what it's going to take for this Minnesota team to get up off, um, you know, kind of a disappointment uh, of a year last year um, and, and get on a better track this year. Um, Fragapane, Reynoso, Robin Lud, good seasons in 2021. Um, they create chances. Uh, it leads to a lot of the attacking play that, that Minnesota can put together and string together. I do remember, uh, like, there were times, though, last year when I watched, and it, it seemed like there were times where they just go stagnant. It, it's almost as if they, they just kind of look around and go, okay, I don't really know who's going to create and where we're going to create. And you can't always rely on Reynoso. It always felt like they were very dependent upon him getting forward, him getting near the box and trying to create. I mean, there were times, I remember, too, last year when they were kind of making that push towards the top seeds in the playoffs where he looked frustrated, and so he'd just shoot. He'd be like, you know what, I'm just going to shoot it because, well, I've got no other options. Um, can you kind of speak to, to maybe um, Reynoso and his importance to the team, maybe Fragapane and Ludd as well? Um, and also, do you think Reynoso's time um, with Minnesota is limited? Do you think, like, there's a possible chance that he, you know, looks elsewhere for possibly a bigger move? Um, maybe Europe. I, I know he's starting to get into that. Maybe prime behind age. bars. Maybe behind bars. Know. Yeah. <laughs> I know he's had a lot of trouble with the law lately. Um, so maybe that's a move that he makes. I, I don't know how JLFC is, but um, I do know that he was uh, released uh, over the offseason, December, uh, after allegedly, um, uh, what was it, an assault or, or involved in some kind of assault with a gun and had been arrested earlier in his teenage years. But can you kind of speak not so much to the to the allegations, but kind of his importance, maybe he moves, and then the other two kind of uh, that had the good year last year. Well, uh, I've got to say, I really hope he doesn't move on because if he if he does, um, our team is kind of in the mud a little bit. Uh, we that's the one thing that we struggled most with, even in like a you know last season or last last season, I should say. Uh, in 2020, when Reynoso, even after he had only been on the team for like a month, a few games without him, and you know we just didn't look the same at all. Uh, he he is the the heart of this team, kind of like every every play runs through him. He wins a ton of fouls, sets up a lot of set plays. Uh, he really helps move the team forward. His goal involvements might not have been the same as they were, you know, in seasons past. But, you know, he, he still did a lot of, uh, of work besides scoring and assisting that helped us uh, get, in, get into those positions. So I, I think there is a possibility, you know, like as with any solid player, you know, there's always a possibility that they'll look for other opportunities. But I, I think Reynoso, he seems to, to like playing in Minnesota, seems to at least based off of what I can tell. So I'm, I'm hoping he'll stay there. But talking about the other two you mentioned, Franco, Fragapane, and Robin Ludd, I would say were our two best performers last season. Uh, Fragapane had 15 goal involvements and Ludd had 13. So they, they were creating and scoring, uh, pretty much scoring out of nowhere at times. In fact, Fragapane was like one of the best players in that playoff loss against Portland. 
even scoring uh, that opening goal. So I, I think that, you know, that those two, if they're, if they're playing on, on the wings from each other, they can be really dangerous as long as they're backed up by Reynoso and then getting an on form or at least confident striker, which could be Unu could be one of our newer signings as well. But uh, as, as long as, you know, you have that all working together, I, I think we can do a, a lot of good things, but even then, Robin Wood can play very well as a false nine. Uh, we, we saw that in 2020. Uh, I, I know, and I remember texting AJ several times during that season, just saying like, oh, let's go. Robin Wood has moved to a false nine position. It's her game time now. So uh, it, it, you know, it, it, it speaks to how good those front three really are, that they can affect the game from different angles. And, uh, you know, I, I, I think that if we can just and this has been the question for years and years of Minnesota United. If we can add a striker to that puzzle, I think we can really unlock the offense. Yeah, I'm re I'm really going to have to agree pretty heavily there because I think part of the reason why we, we did look pretty tepid in attack was because there really wasn't any obvious person that Reynoso, Ludd, uh, Fragapane could pass the ball to because Unu was still settling or we had older players up front that weren't really gelling with the team. I also think unlocking our midfield and allowing a, a, a good number eight like Dotson to move forward would also kind of unlock things. But, you know, R Reynoso, we can't always rely on him, but it's worked out pretty well for us so far. So uh, obviously we need other options, but he's been really really good at some points going on mvp level form like jack was saying he, he doesn't just get us on the score sheet he do just doesn't you know get us goals and assists but he's in the top five percent in mls in terms of progressive carries passes and dribbles like his creativity goes all over the field and that's something that you really can't replace i also don't think that he's going to move on he's 26 so yeah he is in his prime but without like a real zellerian pozuelo or prime valeri type season like i i think that he's here in minnesota or at the very least moves on to another mls team if his time here is done or maybe back to argentina i don't know but yeah just like jack said those those three players and i think that's the core of the team and i think you have to build around those three stars there. All right. Uh, Jordan, you want me to take the next one <laughs> for the name? Oh, you what is try it? Oh, the, uh... Yeah, you want to try it or you want me to do it? <laughs> You're talking about Bongo Kule Huangwe. Yeah, there we right? go. There yeah, you go. That's pretty good. Um, that's pretty good. But yeah, so the departure of Ethan, Ethan Finley as he heads over to Austin. Uh, adding uh, Bongo Kule Halongwain and Abu Danladi. Um, uh, Halongwain joining from Maritzburg United in the South African Premier Division. Seven goals and four assists in 52 matches. Um, Danladi had been with Minnesota previously, then went to Nashville. What, what do you think about these two additions? And uh, are Minnesota fans happy to have Danladi back? Uh, to answer your second question first, the answer is mostly no. It, I think 
the warmest response I've seen to Dunlady coming back was, oh, oh, oh okay. And that's, <laughs> that's kind of been uh, the case uh, for that entire transfer saga. So it kind of came out of nowhere. There were, there were rumors that we would get a former striker back. Most people thought it was going to be Luis Amaria. Uh, still could be. Ab Abu Dunlady, speaking on him first, has always been injury prone and his output has never really been great. He scored 14 goals in his past five seasons in MLS. Uh, so I, I would see him more as a backup uh, to Unu or Luis Amaria if we get him back or potentially on our second team in MLS Next Pro. I don't really think he has the, the track record nor the health track record to really contribute major minutes until he gets you know, started on some positive form. But Halong Wayne, I think, is really interesting. I, I think uh, I, I think more fans have been uh, warmer towards his uh, arrival, especially South African fans. If you look on our Twitter page, on our Instagram page, anytime uh, he gets mentioned, it's just a flood of South African flags. Even if he doesn't get, you know, uh, featured on our social media, people ask, like, oh, where's Halong Wayne? We want, we want to see him. Uh, it's hard to tell what Adrian Heath wants him uh, to be, how, how he wants him to contribute. Uh, but, you know, he's only 21, so there's plenty of time for him to get used to MLS. Heath isn't known to give young players a lot of chances. So I, I would fully expect him to feature a lot on our second team and in cup competitions. I mean, I mean, Heath commented that he's still raw, yet has a good work rate and football IQ. So I think he even views him as a work in progress, which for the time being is completely fine for our team. Yeah, that's what I was actually thinking before it, before Jack adds anything is, you know, I think back to what was it, uh, Christian Ramirez, um, you know, not getting a lot of time at, at Minnesota. Um, oh, who else was it that just went to uh, Montreal? mason toy yeah. yeah mason toy yeah there we go i flanked on his name um yeah i feel like they have a lot of young strikers that end up having to leave to uh, or you know not get a lot of time jack did you have anything to add about halong wayne or uh Dunlady? yeah um i i did want to add something uh, there because don Lottie is a is a weird case for me because the very first minnesota united game i saw live uh, was Orlando City versus Minnesota United in Allianz Field. I got tickets for my birthday, and uh, the first ever Minnesota United goal I saw scored live was by Abu Dhanladi. So they, it, it's kind of it's kind of a strange thing for me because uh, I, I I always like kind of liked him, but I also understand that you know injury the injury record that he has just is not great, and he had some really good seasons earlier with Minnesota United. But injuries always held them back from reaching that true potential. So I, I will say some of the reception that I've seen and most of the journalism I've seen from, uh, you know, uh, news writers who cover Minnesota United even more in depth have been saying, you know, Abu Dhanladi could be a very good transfer for us if we can figure out how to manage his injuries. And I think him playing as like a backup striker might be the perfect way to manage those injuries as well as getting him to contribute to this team. So I think that could be very good. Uh, for Halonwan, Wayne, I've I, I mispronounced that, I know. Uh, but I, 
I also have to say I love seeing all of the all of the comments from South African fans and how many more fans it's bringing in. I saw yeah. I saw some analysis done on this that posts uh, before and after Halon Wayne, you know, uh, have gotten so much more interaction, so much more many shares. Uh, there's been some great comments in there, like you know, you need to give Halon uh, Wayne the coaching job. He needs to be in charge of <laughs> co- uh, of like facilities. He needs to be in charge of training sessions. He needs to be in charge of everything. He needs to be the team captain. Uh, it's it's great to see all of this love and shows that you know we have a player that's really special and really valued by fans in his home country. You know he's uh, one of the younger players who's gotten called up to the South African national team, which is really cool to see as well. So. I, I think he could be a really good option. I hope he gets used on the wing a little bit because, you know, one thing that we're definitely going to miss with the outgoing transfer of Ethan Finlay is we're going to be missing a player who, no matter what the game was, always gave 110%. It, it didn't matter if we were down like three or four goals or something like that. He is going to try his, his best to do whatever it takes. And it shows because, you know, he, he would... He would be the last one on the field giving post-game press conferences if we perform badly. So uh, it, it is a bit of a, of a role to to fill. It, it, it's definitely something that's going to be needed. Uh, and Ethan Finlay's, uh, he, he had a little bit of pace and dribbling at times as well. So it'll be interesting to see if uh, Long Wayne can fill up, fill up that role. And uh, I, I hope he gets uh, some good time because I think he definitely deserves it. He seems to be a really special young talent. Well, Finley's probably going to still be doing those post-game interviews uh, after perform- uh, after bad performances with Austin. Uh, yeah, maybe. <laughs> we're not high on Austin, FC. Um, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I was going to add something. I totally forgot what I was going to add here. So, Logan, you can go ahead and ask the next question. Yeah, so um, obviously Ozzy Alonzo uh, headed off to Atlanta this time with uh, Minnesota's come to an end. The last couple of seasons, I was looking back 2020 here, the hamstring issue, COVID kind of played a role. So he didn't get the feature as much as possible. And this season, he, he kind of did take more of a um, a lighter role, uh, I think, with Adrian Heath. Um, but a crucial figure nonetheless. Um, I, I think a staple in Minnesota from everything that I had kind of read, um, just kind of over his time and being there, I think a lot of the leadership value came with um, just him being on the pitch or him around the team. I feel like there was a lot said about him um, as he was departing. Uh, A lot of good things said about him, people that were writing about him, um, talking about how good he was for the club, captaining the team at times. Um, So can you kind of reflect on what they'll be missing with Ozzy? Might not so much on the pitch where they can kind of, I think, fill in some of those roles eventually uh, that he played, but more so the leadership qualities that he had. Yeah, uh, I, I I'll, I'll speak first on the the leadership qualities there because he is more so than maybe any of our other players that we got in that 2019 season responsible for that turnaround that took us from glued to the bottom of the Western Conference or thereabout to an actual playoff contender that could make things happen. Uh, he he was incredible for us like you know he he was always willing to you know speak up for teammates and stuff like uh if, if there was a hard challenge done he would be talking to the referee 
you know, it, he, he really had that leadership that could, that you could just feel that presence gone when he wasn't playing, uh, in, in games that, that we were, that we weren't playing, it felt like we didn't have as much control. You know, I, I love Michael Boxel. He is one of my favorite Minnesota United players, but I mean, Ozzy Alonso is just something else when it comes to the leadership qualities there. He, he is great at organizing things. He's a, he's a good MLS veteran who knows the league very well. And we're going to be missing a lot with hit with his departure. Uh, I will say though, in terms of like the on the field stuff, we're going to be missing a lot with that too, because we do have other midfielders that are also very good, like Hassani Dotson, but he occupies a much different role than, uh, you know, say Will Trap or Hassani Dotson did, like Ozzy Alonso. He was always the one who was going to go up, win balls, go go in for tackles. Uh, Will, Will Trap did that occasionally, but he was more of like a deep line playmaker, it felt like at times during the last season. So uh, I, I think we're going to be missing some of that. And we and it's a big need for this upcoming season, finding someone who can fill in that sort of, you know, uh, I'm, I'm not sure what the right word for the role is, but just someone who's going to go in and break up play. You know, someone who's actually going to be a disruptor in the midfield. And, uh, you know, I... I, I'm very sad to see him go because uh, he, he just it was amazing for our team. Yeah, I, I think the best word to describe him is uh, an enforcer. You know, just uh, going in, winning tackles, and if, if, if something didn't go our way, he'd be jawing at the, the referee, jawing at the, the opposition. And what, what I think was the biggest difference maker in his leadership that separates him from other leaders in MLS or even on our team was his ability to keep his teammates accountable, right? If the team lacked fight, he would instill a fighting spirit within that team. We've heard it time and again, like his locker room presence, whether it be before a game, during halftime or after a game, has been really second to none compared to anyone in this league for that matter. And he's kept this team really mentally sharp, even during our past seasons when things might not have gone our way. And when you see how his uh, role kind of dwindled in this past season, that mental sharpness has kind of waned a little bit. Like, mentally sharp teams don't drop seven points while the other team is on a red card. Like, like, and just like Jack said, we are both very big Michael Boxel fans, but nobody can hold you accountable and lead your team quite like the Honey Badger, Ozzy Alonso. Yeah. And he's going to be hooking up with uh, Pineda from Seattle again. So yeah, that'll be interesting. Um, <clears throat> you mentioned Will Trapp. Uh, Will Trapp. Uh, he logged the most minutes for Minnesota last year. Um, so you talked a little bit about him, but what do you like from Trapp from last year? And do you think he can carry it over into this season? I'll actually let Jack talk a little bit more about Will Trapp because I feel like I can talk a little bit about him. Like he's like, I I think he he's been a very serviceable midfielder. Mm -hmm. But uh, Jack, do you have any other uh, opinions on him before I you know say a little bit? I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I, I I will say a little bit because I remember when this signing happened at the beginning of the season. Um, it, it, I I was talking to AJ about it, and he was like, yeah, he he played for the national team a little bit, maybe not 
at the same level as he used to be. Yeah, right. Still, yeah. still kind of good. And I was like, I don't know. He seems like he could be pretty good. And uh, I, I really like him. I, I rate him pretty highly. I think he was among our best players last season. I, I really think that he helped our midfield quite a lot. And, you know, in, in games where we didn't look all that in it, he still he still performed pretty well in quite a lot of those. You know, I I really like uh, I, I really like his play. He does try and win balls, but the main thing he does really well is, you know, kind of keep possession and he, he does control the tempo of the game decently well. I will say, uh, I, I, I don't know what it is, but I just really like those kinds of midfielders. You know, one of my favorite players on Chelsea is Jorginho. So that kind of tells you a lot about, about that. I, I feel like he kind of does plays a similar role where his, his role isn't like to be the midfielder. That's going to be going in for all of the challenges and all of the tackles. And it's not going to be getting like the first assist, but secondary assists he's, he's going to be on those and he's going, and he's going to be like a, you know, getting people forward, pushing his teammates into the play. Uh, and I, I think that that's really valuable for us. And uh, I, I was a huge John Gregory fan. It's uh, I, I have his name on a jersey. Was one of my favorite Minnesota United players until... Uh, I thought you were about he, to say tattooed or something. <laughs> no, no, no. Uh, that, I'm, not, I'm not that extreme of, of, of a, a Gregory fan. But, you know, I, I, I will say, like, you know, I, I was kind of sad because I... I wanted to see more of Gregorish last season, but Will Trap proved to be quite a good alternative to uh, to him. So, I, I do think that Will Trap is going to play a pretty significant role this upcoming season. And you know, I I think that when Michael Boxel isn't on the field, he is as he was during the season going to be our captain. Which not I'm not too mad about that. Yeah, the the one thing I, I guess I do want to add is that. I, I think he is one of our signings of the season, if not the signing of the season. And he he has pretty good stats when it comes to pressures and blocks per 90, his pass completion rate. He had 5.74 progressive passes per 90 to hit on that you know deep-lying playmaker bit. But I, I'd really like to see him become more of a defensive stalwart uh, in the midfield. I, I feel like that would really unlock this midfield and unlock this team if he's able to kind of control the midfield on his own people would could probably notice that Hassani Dotson wasn't that big of an attacking presence this season compared to seasons past and a lot of that was because both him and Trap needed to be a little bit more defensive a little bit more deeper in order to uh, cover that back line so if either Trap can become that better defensive midfielder or we sign another one then that would allow either him or Dotson to move forward a little bit which can help bridge the attack and like I we alluded to before kind of make things a little bit more cohesive with the creativity in midfield so a pretty good uh defense obviously there's always room for improvement they were 10th um in the league in goals per game given up um they were top four in the west uh it looks from the from the goals allowed but 44 um and what was interesting i, I can remember previewing um minnesota last year and i, and I want to say that dane st Clair was supposed to be 
the next coming thing. Uh, I, I know a lot of people rated him highly. We had a lot of people that we followed from Canada that really rated him highly. But then Tyler Miller just steals the job completely. Um, gets I think it was 30-some matches in. Yeah, 30 matches in. Um, and really did become uh, what they needed in, in between the posts. Um, can you kind of speak to the defense and then also the success that Tyler Miller had last year? Yeah, well, this defense has played really well because the starters played a lot of the games. Um, the best ability in soccer is always going to be availability between the four defenders. They only missed about 22 games, which is impressive given how old they are. So they played about 83% of uh, the regular season uh, when you count all the games that they missed. And when you look at the backups, Brent Kalman, who we re-signed recently, has been a pretty serviceable center back. So even if Boxel or uh, Debassi missed time, he fits in pretty well. And Dotson also is kind of our, our Swiss Army knife. He can also fill in at the right back role. We also had DJ Taylor, who's also a good fullback uh, depth piece. So we had good amount of defensive options. Whether or not that can continue is yet to be seen. Three of the four uh, defenders that we have in our starting lineup are above 30. So I, I there are a lot of concerns about whether or not we have good enough backups to continue this form or whether or not this is as good as our defense is going to be. But, you know, one of the biggest things about Minnesota United is that we've always usually had pretty standout goalkeepers, whether it was a Shuttleworth of years past uh, to Miller now, Dane St. Clair in the past, Monone in 2019. And Miller really took the show partially because Dane St. Clair is still young and had a, a large part in our 0-4 start. And you mentioned Miller started 30 games. Well, he missed four games, and I'll let you guess which ones those were. So uh, I, I think a lot of what needs to happen with the goalkeeping situation is for one of them to kind of make a name for themselves. I, I think Miller could be that, that guy, but we also re-signed Dane St. Clair on a, a long-term deal. So I, I wouldn't be surprised if Miller does get moved on because if we trust in Dane St. Clair, I think he could also be serviceable as he was in uh not last season now the 2020 season yeah i i mean uh I'll, I'll reiterate a few of those points tyler miller was really good for us uh got 11 clean sheets for us put us joint third for clean sheets uh not too bad given how we seem to be playing at times but uh you know, that, that doesn't mean he was absolutely perfect at every point. Uh, few, a few clumsy errors that, that I can think of here and there, but uh, he, he, was, he was really good for us. And uh, I, I, was, I, I was happy to see that, especially after he came off of a really, uh, or a season-ending injury. I think it was a, a hip injury in the 2020 season during the MLS's back tournament. But uh, it was good to see him make that sort of resurgence. But in terms of our defender situation, you know, Michael Boxel and Bakaye Dibasi have been very good for Minnesota United. In fact, I, I, I've maintained this for a little bit that Michael Boxel is potentially a candidate for like a Minnesota United legend at this point. He's done quite a lot for, for the club, all time record appearance maker for us in MLS. 
really, really good player who keeps, uh, who never gives up on a play. He he's always in there ready to ready to defend if uh, the midfield makes a mistake. And uh, Dibasi also very good, great signing from 2020. Uh, same window as Reynoso. That that window is just undefeated in terms of transfers for Minnesota United. It feels like so. Uh, but I, I will say that in terms of left back, you know, Chase Gasper has been okay. Uh, he, he, he's a young defender and it does show sometimes in, in terms of some of his decision-making, you know, he, he gets forward a little bit too much, gets caught out of possession, uh, quite a bit, but he, he is still pretty good in there, but I would like to see some good depth added at the left back position. You know, we talk, uh, AJ talked about DJ Taylor, who has played in both of those positions. I feel like he was typically better in the right back position, it seemed, than in left back. So I I think that we need some more depth in that position, just so, you know, uh, that's a position where uh, maybe a bit controversial. I think we could do with some, a bit of an older player in that position to give that more experience uh, when we need it or to be a mentor to, uh, to chase because uh, you know, he, he has improved a lot, but he, he still has a lot to learn. I was going to say, you answer my questions there and, and kind of uh, AJ, you did it before with some, at least some more experienced attacking players that you can kind of fill in. So I'm going to throw a curveball at you guys and ask you a question. And I, I know you could probably speak of him because you've kind of mentioned him um, in and out, but uh, I know you U.S. men's national team fans are interested because I, I think out of that uh, Olympic run, I think this one was the most exciting for me to watch. At least uh, I, I thought with the potential and the way that he played, he actually overshadowed some of the guys that I think we thought were going to come away with there, like a Jackson Ewell. But uh, I'm talking about Hassani Dotson. I just want to kind of check in. How was Hassani's 2021 season? I mean, is he? Is he making those strides, and, and could you possibly see him as time does go on? I know he's 23, but as he does get older, are you kind of seeing some, maybe some remnants of like uh, having a chance uh, to kind of compete for some spots here, maybe some calls into camp? But is Hassani making those strides forward? I think, well, in a quite literal sense, he's not making those strides forward because he has been playing a little bit more of a, right. a deeper role. I think the make or break in terms of him getting called up is whether or not he can play in that number eight role that he likes to play. Mm-hmm. And that is all contingent on if we sign, like Jack said, some of that fullback depth because he's had to fill in a lot at that fullback position. And that's he's good there, but that's not exactly where he wants to be. And in a way, I think that's kind of stunted his growth being too much of a jack-of-all-trades uh, in Heath's eyes and not getting enough run out in his very preferred position. Jack and I are both, I think, in the agreement that he could be a, a January camp, you know, camp cupcake type of player who gets called in. And it, it, if he impresses there, maybe makes a run out in terms of bigger windows. When I look at the rest of the U.S. men's national team squad, there is a lot of names that he'll have to leapfrog. It could happen, but I think at the very least, it means that he has to be the best player in Minnesota United and potentially even need to move abroad in some way, which is not out the realm of possibility, but he does have an uphill battle uh, to face. 
Yeah, uh, I I agree. You know, I, I've kind of maintained that he should get some more looks at those camps because uh, Logan, like you were saying, I I think he was one of the most impressive players at that Olympic uh, qualifying tournament. You know, I I I think he played very well in that. Uh, I also think that despite moving further back and being a little bit more defensive oriented this season, he still had one of his better seasons for us. I mean, I know that's a small sample size because he's only played three, but uh, he, he played very well. It, and uh, given everything he was asked to do uh, to fill in, in so many different positions, that's pretty good for, uh, for a player like him. You know, he's still kind of on the younger side. He's 24. Uh, but I, I, I think that he, he does have a lot of promise for Minnesota United and he should, in theory, get a lot more playing time this season. Uh, whether that will be, like AJ said, in that preferred eight role is yet to be seen. But if it is, then there there is a good possibility that he uh, could get more looks into the national team. Because I, I, I'm not sure if this is that hot of a take, but I think he might be at least on the same level as Sebastian Legette, if not maybe a, a little bit better at times. Kind of a low bar, but yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know it's a low bar, but if that if that's who's getting called up into the U.S. men's national team, you you can only compare it to who's there, right? So uh, I, I still think that he he did do a lot of great stuff this season, or uh, and I'm looking forward to him hopefully playing a larger role, hopefully a central role, uh, and... Uh, not not just saying like like a, a major role on the team, but literally a central midfielder, not on the wing this time. Uh, that that would be great. All right, my favorite question to ask: expectations. Uh, what would be a good season for Minnesota United in 2022? Is it making the playoffs, hosting a home playoff game? Winning the cup, like what is the absolute minimum that you consider a good season for this year? Absolute minimum, I'm going to go with another home playoff spot and getting into the second round. And I, I think that, that that's the absolute bare minimum to call it a good season because you need to have year-on-year -year improvement uh, in order for it to be a great season and really save Adrian Heath's career. I think he needs to make conference finals or really challenge for some silverware, whether that be uh, MLS Cup or the U.S. Open Cup trophy. But uh, in terms of where I think fans are, and especially me, like the the very bare minimum for me to be a little bit happy uh, with this squad and with this team and the season is fourth place and getting past the first round into the second round of the playoffs. Uh, yeah, I, I, I agree. You know, we finished fourth place two seasons in a row for 2019 and 2020 and then took a little bit of a step back finishing in fifth place. You know, not a huge step back necessarily, but step back nonetheless. Uh, I, I agree. We, we need to get a home playoff game. So finishing fourth or third, you know, like I, I think I think that first or second is probably going to be Seattle again this season. But uh, so I'm going to say third or fourth. And then I, I think, like AJ said, bare minimum is you've got to win a playoff game. You have to win at least one of them. Uh, because uh, 
and, it, and it's weird because, you know, Minnesota sports fans, we usually don't ask for much of our teams because our teams don't always produce a ton of success all the time, or at least they're disappointing. So it's weird that Minnesota United uh, is has been one of our more successful teams in in so in some recent years. So we I, I'd say that a lot of Minnesota fans expect quite a lot out of them. And, you know, I, I, I think that th- this team still needs some improvements before I can say, like, yeah, this team needs to be challenging for MLS Cup or be like very near that level in order for this to be a successful season. I think that there's still quite a bit to be added, but I, I would say that that's the that's the expectation: win a playoff game and get a home playoff game. Uh, it, whether it will be a good season for Minnesota, uh, it's going to depend a lot on how well Unu has actually adapted to the league. Like, has he actually adapted to the league, and were those signs of promise from this last season actually signs of promise, or were they just a fluke? Uh, if if they were signs of promise, then I think that we're going to have a pretty good season. If not, then I really hope Abu Dhamadi is ready and injury free. So uh, it, it'll it'll be it'll be interesting to see. I think a lot hinges on that sort of stuff up front, but uh, definitely could be a good season for us. And I just want to kind of throw in here because AJ brought it up. You said to keep. Heath, his job pretty much got to be conference finals or competing for some sort of silverware. Um, so do you agree, Jack? And so if, if it's just the, if it's just fourth place and into the second round and then get dumped out, is he here next year? Uh, probably not. <laughs> probably not. Uh, a lot of fans are losing their patience with him. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, and it, you know, it, it's, it, 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 we've wasted a lot of young talent as well. You know, it, you might've forgotten Tomas Chacon technically still on the Minnesota United roster uh, has played. I He's think, at Liverpool. MLS game. Yeah. Li- the, the, <laughs> yep. The, the South American yeah. Liverpool. Yep. Uh, that, but yeah, he, he is still part of this roster and he, he was, on a designated player contract, I, I believe, if in, unless I'm misremembering that, but it shows how much ta- like young talent has been wasted with him. So yeah, Heath needs to do something to challenge for a trophy because if you look at 2019, you know we were challenging for the U.S. Open Cup, we made it to the final there. In 2020, in 2020, we were challenging for two trophies: semifinals of MLS is back, and uh, we. We, uh, you know, were in the fi- the Western Conference final, almost in MLS Cup, like literally 15 minutes away from it. Still heartbreaking. Uh, but I, I think, you know, you need to, to keep that up. If you challenge for trophies two years in a row, you've got to keep that level up. And, you know, if you don't, then fans are going to be disappointed. And I think that that's fair, especially with all the investment in this squad. All right. So, where can uh, where can people find the final third if they're if they're looking for more of you two? Yeah, they can find us on Twitter and Instagram at Final Third Show. We'll talk about um, all the kinds of things that 
we've talked about on the show, whether it be MLS, Minnesota United, as well as abroad, Champions League, U.S. Men's and Women's National Team, and even AFCON. You can also find us on our website, finalthirdshow.com, if you want a nice central place to look at all of our listening uh, platforms that you can find us on. Awesome. Well, thanks for coming on, guys. Yeah, it was our pleasure. And we are back from our break and back from our interview with the guys from the final third, Jack and AJ. Um, I I don't have anything to really add. They brought the stats. They they brought everything to us here. The only thing I have to add is I think they're they're dead on. A good season would have to be some sort of progress. Um, which in their eyes, you know, obviously, like AJ said, competing for some silverware would keep Heath his job, but a good season for the team is just kind of bouncing back, you know, kind of, kind of getting into a home playoff game and getting past that first round, you know, 2020, they got through the Eastern, Eastern, they got to the Western conference final and we're just minutes away from an MLS cup run um, when Seattle made that comeback. And now, uh, you know, last year, not really, you know, slow start. They get back in. They get bounced out. Like I think they, I think they had it dead on that they need to. This is our first time this year, I think, that somebody has said this, and and uh, this season, top four, uh, and then they stipulated that with, then get past the next round. Um, and I probably agree with them. If this is Heath's last year on contract, and he doesn't, I would say, win MLS Cup, he's out. Yeah, I mean, there's 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 a there's a at least there's a solid list of things that they need to do because I feel like there's other teams that are going. I have no idea what we're supposed to do. Like, you know, with them, it, it's one scoring goals. You've got to score goals. They didn't have anybody that was a prolific goal scorer. I'm not so much on the Adrian Hunu um, boat. Now, I will say, looking at these stats, there are some very limited games in which he started. But Jordan, he's never scored over eight goals. Um, and there, there's been seasons where he has played 31 matches. There's been some where he's played 17 or started in 17, started in 14. He had 22 games uh, and just had seven goals. Um, while I do know that he he looked as if he was starting to settle in, I would still need to see a really good season from him. And, and again, this league is not easy. Um, and it takes number nines it can take them a couple of years to get adjusted because I mean, you've seen it and we didn't even talk about some of the outgoings, but we'll talk about that tomorrow when we record with Todd, but Casper Chappelko is, is a prime example of you can find a 10, 11 goal score uh, striker, but that's not enough. Like if you're looking for prolific teams or really good teams, you're talking about like a Rui Diaz, right? You're talking about a guy that can score at an alarming rate. You're talking about a Joseph Martinez when Atlanta was good and just kind of tore through the league. You're talking about guys that kind of spread the wealth and goals. If you look at this team, man, it's a quick drop after uh, Robin Wood and um, Hunu. So it, it, while I do think this is a top four team in the West, especially because I do think the West, you know, given Nashville's added, I, I think that it, it's going to be tough for them to challenge for a top four team. Or, or seed, I think that they just still have some pieces that I'm concerned about. It's going to be goal scoring. That's really going to be it. Um, can they create enough? Because I do. I think they can defend well enough. Um, while they are older, I do think that that's something 
they can solidify. Another thing, Jordan, he needs to stop chasing headlines. Every time you and I talk about Adrian Heath, it's never in a positive light. It seems to always be him chasing headlines on what he heard from Andrew Beebe saying on extra, like, why are you listening to extra time? Do you have personal assistance listening? If you're listening, Adrian, um, but seriously, like it, it feels like he pulls headlines from people he should never be pulling headlines from. <laughs> We're going to get a shout out at a post match conference. I hope so. Like, <laughs> it, it, and, I, and then I hope it's in this context because I really don't get, and it did seem like it had an effect on him. I, I, I don't know. It seems like, it sways him and it did in Orlando too. It used to make him mad. He used to have to have people stop coming into press conferences because he got frustrated with the way that they were handling how they were talking to him. Um, just asking about the team. So it, I think this is his last year. I don't think he'll make MLS cup Jordan. And I'm in the greens with you. If they don't win MLS cup this year, he's gone. I, I don't, I think he would, this is why they brought him in. He, he is here. He created what he needed to create. And this is the next step. And yet, he is continuing um, to fail. So, And as I talked about, just wasting a lot of youth products, yes. uh, a lot of youth um, not being able to work. One, he doesn't like youth that much. He, he's usually relying on, on more mm-hmm. uh, older, reliable people, and, and that's not going to be um, – There's there, right now there's, like, no future there. Like, I, I think this team will need some sort of rebuild after um, – you know, after Heath leaves, not like a massive rebuild. They're not going to like go Baltimore Orioles or anything, but they're, they're going to have to go like, um, like a soft reset real quick. That like a Toronto, you know, yeah, like a Toronto, yeah. exactly. Just kind of reboot, uh, bring in like a, a, a an experienced coach. I, I one thing I would not want for Minnesota is going to bring in a Josh Wolf or Todd a Nagamora or a Todd <laughs> Ramos. You know, like I, I'm not you need somebody experienced you would if you're minnesota and your goal is to win mls cup your goal is to go out there and bring in a bob bradley they can't he's at toronto but i'm saying like going out and getting somebody that will will bring the name and and bring uh like geez like greg vanny would be good I, i think but um you know he's tied up with la but you know, something like that is probably what they'll need after Adrian Heath. And I just think he gets so frustrated. There's no way he lasts more than this year at this point. Um, I don't know, though. I mean, they do seem to back him, but maybe he'll be on one-year contracts for a bit. I don't really know. I don't know if he would like that, though, anyway, because it'll be kind of like you're always on a prove-it type of thing, um, which I think is what they need, but I don't think he would – I appreciate that. So we did have a U.S. men's national team roster drop, as this week we will have some qualifiers. I'm not sure how we're covering those, Logan, but we'll we'll figure it out. Um, No big surprises on the roster. Biggest surprise maybe is Brooks being off of it, but I I wasn't expecting him to be on it. Um, It it sounds like Wolfsburg wants to move on from him too, from what Derek Ray was reporting reporting on Twitter that he read in the in the build which is a German newspaper so uh, they don't think he's been up to snuff either so it's not just Greg like, I get that Brooks has been a little better this month but you know it there's there's definitely some stuff there I, I don't I also don't believe Greg when he says it was just due to form either because he did call in a lot of players that are out of form. Um, due to the fact they haven't played 
but some of those players were in the January camp. So they have been kind of with Greg and, you know, been practicing and training. So I don't know. We'll see how it goes. I, I just want to get some points. I want to wrap up qualifying and I just want to get done. It's going to be very cold on Thursday. <laughs> we're going to be playing a lot of snow. It should be fun. I, a lot of the guys are excited about it. Um, I know they were talking about playing in the snow and how exciting that'll be. Um, uh, Flashbacks to Colorado yeah. when we played Costa Rica. Mm-hmm. That was a that was a crazy game. I remember that one very well. Yeah, but uh, no, I'm excited. I mean, I, this Jordan, I think this is the win. This is the first window that I can remember that all of our big guns were coming in on top form. I mean, you're talking about a Weston McKinney who's probably playing the best football in, in Italy right now. Um, and part of that midfield with Juventus, uh, you're talking about Eunice Musa who scored recently for Valencia. Um, you've got Kristen Pulisic who I think is out to make everybody um, kind of upset with themselves because I think he's going to come out here and he's already upset with the situation at Chelsea, I think. So he's ready to kind of step back into a role he's comfortable with. Ricardo Pepe, I think has played really well for Augsburg. No goals as a result, but that's just kind of that team. Tyler Adams. Games. Yeah. Tyler Adams probably playing the best football he's played in his life. You're talking about Zach Steffen and Matt Turner, who are playing extremely well when they do play for U.S. men's national team. Sergio Dest is really mad at the situation he's in. So he's coming in with fire. This could be a really good window for the U.S. men's national team because I do think you're getting one, the MLS guys are all rested and there are big center backs um, and have been a fortress back there between Walker and Miles Robinson. So I think this is like a perfect storm. Um, no pun intended for the winter storm that'll happen on Thursday, but uh, no, I'm excited. This will be, a, this is, this is the window, man. I think this is the window. You could really see some, some powerful football uh, played by us men's national team and, and we need to beat Canada. So it'd be kind of fun if we could steal one up there. Yeah, it would. Um, yeah. And so... No, uh, sorry. I don't mean to cut you off. That's all right. uh, they you don't did. have Alfonso Davies. So fingers crossed we can. Yeah. Yeah. Look, I'm not going to say you need to get nine points, but nine points would be great to just kind mm-hmm. of put us in the World Cup. That's all mm-hmm. That's all I'm worried about. Put us right in the now. driver's seat. Yeah. Uh, but if you want to give us a follow on Twitter at Stateside Show, Instagram at Stateside Show, Facebook.com slash Stateside Show, email us, Show at gmail.com. This episode probably going up Tuesday night. So if you're listening to us Tuesday night into Wednesday, that means we're even closer to those qualifying games that start on Thursday. So hooray for that. Um, but yeah, uh, if, if you want to listen to more Jack and me, I guess, you can listen to uh, to the Infinity Saga and beyond. We did a whole soccer-themed episode with giving uh, a team of Marvel superheroes, which was a really fun idea that Jack brought uh, to me here. So uh, that was fun. Um if you hadn't listened to our episodes on the final third, they were back like last summer. Mm-hmm. You can go back and listen to those uh, through their feed. But yeah, that was great. I talked about like the future of U.S. soccer and like what it takes to get soccer popular here, which was a fun topic. I don't remember what Logan talked about. <laughs> no, it was uh, predictions with Man City. So oh, okay. it was a lot of Champions League stuff um, with Man City. So it was natural that I that I beat you. But Jordan, on that note, as we go into our Zen um, mode, I do want to tell you a joke because I know you like to end these shows with jokes from Logan. No, no, um, you like to. I do. Yes. <laughs> Jordan, do you know, Jordan, do you know a Minnesota United um, FC fans uh, favorite TV show? 
Oh, I, I have no idea where you're going with this. Looney Tunes. <laughs> that is awful. Tomorrow throwing his body in. It's going to fall for Ibrahimovic. Oh, come on. Come on. Thank you for listening to Stoppage Time Soccer Show. We hope that you continue to listen to our show as we recap the U.S. Men's National Team, Americans Abroad, MLS, USL. This is Stateside Soccer Show presented by Stop It's Time Soccer Show. Have a good one.